0: Welcome back to another impact tonight. Another impact is occasionally Ship this up. So 177, I'm your host, I 34 three, four, Isaiah Jones, third. Tonight's panelists are Buddy Thornton, Sandy Roberts, and Nikki Jones. Buddy Thornton, please say hello again to the people, sir. Isaiah, I love being on, and I really, really am looking forward to being
1: on with my two panel mates. Good evening, everybody, and this is going to be a rock and roll
0: show. Yes, it is, sir And Sandy Roberts, please say hello to the legendary I'm sorry, the legendary Sandy Roberts, please say hello to the people
2: <laughs> Hello, hello, hello
0: And we don't forget you And the graceful one, Anika Jones herself Please say hello to the
3: people Good evening, good evening I'm excited to be back I always really, really enjoy these conversations And I'm ready to get into it with my panel mates
0: well, tonight we're going to talk about revenge We're going to talk about revenge And when I when I even say that word There are so many movies Movies that have made billions and billions Upon billions of dollars With those revenge movies Like, you, you did this to me And I'm going to get you back uh, I don't know if you guys remember That movie with Bruce Lee uh, What was it? Fist of Fury That movie was a smash hit but the, the premises of that movie was all about getting back Getting that revenge And I know you remember John Wick Just a blockbuster, blockbuster movie It was about revenge Kill Bill Everybody remembers Kill Bill Kill Bill? You know the plot The guy's jealous He's in a rage His... his his lover, his girlfriend goes off and gets married because she hadn't seen him. She don't know where he's at, she hadn't heard from him. and But he shows up at the wedding and just everyone dies. And I know you remember this old movie, The Crow. The Crow was the movie where the, the, the guy was coming back to get his revenge on the people that, that harmed him. There's so many movies So many movies But tonight The topic is Anti-bullying And our social responsibility What is our social responsibility As it relates to Bullying When we see bullying happening Not just with our children But with Friends of our children Friends of our children in the community Kids that we don't even know I think the topic tonight is perfect for the panelists that we have here. So i want to go around the panel really quick and open it up. What was your thoughts when you got the topic for tonight, anti bullying and our social responsibility? Who wants to go first?
3: Uh this is Anita Jones. Anita S. Jones. Y'all know how I feel about my S. Um, <laughs> so when I first saw the topic, um it just I guess to say it it's not that not that things were smooth at all previously but i mean this week alone like if we were going to go uh you know week to week thursday to thursday how many examples have we had of um social irresponsibly but irresponsibility excuse me but it's stemming from just a lack of uh, emotional regulation and so you know that's something that can be learned but it's not being emphasized and knowing that it has to be emphasized and reinforced in multiple spaces, like even on the regular, um, you know, academic, uh, how it takes, how many exposures quote unquote it takes, um, at least a young person to learn it's at least eight before they really, really start making connections and things. So just, I mean, we just have too many examples. I, it took me a moment. Cause I'm like, where do I start with this particular, uh, topic and question, but, um, there's too many examples, but if, again, if I have to just summarize it, that it's stemming from um, not just inequity, where maybe some things are happening at school and then maybe not being uh, reinforced or the wraparound at home, but uh, just a number of factors that society is not only creating but reinforcing. Like Isaiah, you named all of those movies. I mean, there's, songs, there's a song out by a uh, scissor called Kill Bill, right? That just came out uh you know on her latest album and whatnot, but is this constantly being reinforced of uh, you know uh, ways to get people back whether it's introduced as a prank and okay I'm going to prank you back is this is constantly the up
0: Oh that's good that's good because what I heard most from what you said Anika S Jones is that that connection that connection to to stop it to stop this revenge you gotta have those role models like the ones we got on the panel tonight. Who else, who else wants to take that? What was the first thoughts that you got when you heard the topic for the night?
1: I'll go with it. Well, I... Oh, go ahead,
2: Sandy. Oh, okay. Um, I, I actually uh, have kind of a new position since the last time that we spoke. And I am, let's see, I am now the school counselor and also um, faculty for a small school that is basically uh, serving the major population is the Native American population, and it's fascinating. It's a small school. It has um, two grade areas. It has middle school and high school, and I'm new to the school, but I'm not new to the principal of the school. He, he and i worked together um when i was teaching at phoenix college and it's really fascinating to have the cultural mix come in and the things that seem pretty consistent that are different <laughs> than on the i don't know what would we call regular um middle schools and high schools and it's um i mean i'm i'm seriously honored to be able to do it to To be involved with with the population, and but the some of the challenges that come up are same types of challenges on any camp any campus, and then some unique in that for the population. So it's you know my my eyes are like you know biggest saucers in my ears and going wow you know this is really great just amazing that we have the resources that we do and. Trying to get them, you know to the students yeah, so it's um, I, i'm I'm in a whole different ball game, and that completely different and completely the same. so it, it's it, it's pretty fascinating
0: absolutely. who who's next? Thank you for that, Sandy.
1: Uh, when I got the topic, I looked at it and I thought immediately about sides of the same coin, the the dyadic uh, behaviors that we're seeing in a very divisive environment. And no one can argue that today's environment is not extremely divisive. And there's a term, toxic masculinity, that goes around. But bullying, as uh, I'm sure my two panel mates would agree, is not a gender thing. It is probably there are some girls groups that are just as much or more bullying than the guys. And so I've pivoted that to toxic machoism versus curious inclusion. That's two sides of the same coin. And our social responsibility is that we need to teach kids the difference between escalation and suppression, which are two sides of the same coin. And we need to explain to them about the process of retribution versus restoration. And what is more important is Having a relationship going forward more important Or is getting revenge And deepening the divide more important And that's that's where I start With my
0: conversation Wow I, buddy, I, I just feel like I just feel like tonight It is exactly that It is exactly Going to be mind blowing And the li- listeners we're, we're forcing you We're forcing you to step up to the plate And why do I say that? (laughs) Well, people today, I feel like they ignore real talk. I feel like they ignore real life and those real life situations because they happen so much. But could it be that they happen so much because we continue to ignore them and ignore them? We continue to ignore when someone is hurting. We continue to ignore when someone is suffering. We continue to ignore people's personal stories. Sandy has so many personal stories. Buddy has so many personal, st- so many personal stories. Anika S. Jones has so many personal stories. But tonight we're going to talk about revenge. What is revenge? Revenge is an emotion. First off. One feels because of a negative experience, usually. So let's, let's take a trip. Suppose you were to dial back in your memory Rolodex to a point in your life where you experienced trauma. I'm going to tell you a personal story. When I was growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas, I was at Penny Boys Club, and this movie came on that changed... The trajectory of my neighborhood My neighborhood was a country little neighborhood We was running around the front yard Barefooted When it rained, we loved it Because we were barefooted We were slipping around in the mud We was playing slip and slide And then all of a sudden This movie came on Called Colors And it hit us like a brand new toy it was synonymous to, like, Mattel. Like, he had, Mattel had, like, He-Man. It had Castle Grayskull. It had the Smurfs. It had G.I. J. This movie hit our neighborhood like a meteorite. And everybody jumped onto a set, a gang set. And we were all wannabes. We were wannabes. Gangsters, we were game banging in Little Rock So much, we were game banging so hard That HBO came out there and did a special Game in Little Rock Because we was out there game with straw hats Two picks in our mouths Walking around barefooted, riding BMX bikes Living life in the fast lane Want to be gangsters Until the real gangsters heard about it from LA, New York, Chicago, Detroit And they started coming out there like Okay, since you want this life We're going to give you this life And then that's when we start seeing drive-bys After drive-bys After drive-bys Little kids we grew up with Were getting shot because Someone wanted their revenge Because this happened to this gang set That happened to that gang set And now here we are in a situation where All we see is death All we see is violence All we see is danger And now this neighborhood that was quiet Is now a war zone (laughs) We had friends that turned into bullies And there were so many gaps Because a lot of people didn't step up to the plate And recognize their social Responsibility This is what we're going to Talk about tonight Our social Responsibility Yeah it's kind of gotten a little bit out of hand You got school shootings You got Bullying you got Suicide you suicide Sandy Roberts Let me go to you what Inspired you to do what you do for the young people. You have been around here for decades, and yet- Yes, I have. And yet, you're still (laughs) inspired to work with young people? What is it? Please talk about
2: it. Well, I I have been around for a long time. At the end of July, I'll be 80. Um, And that seems like such a large number. Uh, But what I have, what keeps me going and why I continue to work with youth, especially teens, um, is that when you are able to get through to them and they accept the genuine people who are trying to help them, um, there's such a transformation and such a difference in what they're able to accomplish and a lot of the limits on what they can do quote unquote and that are removed and if you if you can if people can see them for the for the intelligence even even though they do really stupid things many times um you know but the the basic intelligence the core and that meaning and just not getting caught up in all the negative things that are just Imploding and exploding around them and their families. Uh, if you can get through to them, you have the opportunity, and and you are able to. They remember it forever. And I hear I hear back from you know youth that you know they're they've already raised their teenagers, and they were teenagers when I you know worked with them, and there there's things about being a genuine a person who genuinely cares. And you can tell, I mean, you can tell if somebody's doing it, you know, because they're supposed to do something nice for someone or what have you, or if they really care underneath what's going on and can be a sounding board, can be uh, a resource, can be, you know, but genuinely cares. And and they, like I say, they they can sniff that out instantly. And and if you get past that sniff test, uh, you can really make a difference and it it has to be real it it just has to be real it It doesn't matter if they're financially wealthy or financially destitute as as far as their their internal morals and and how they perceive and what they want to you know do um, it, it's it's amazing I mean like seriously I, I said i've I've literally been working with teenagers of uh, for 30 years, and I I see the good in them. I see the abilities of things that they can do, and I've I've watched them with see when they see the opportunities and they actually take it and it actually works. And it wasn't something somebody set up to gain something, you know, other other than a direction that's beneficial, helpful, you know, for them. Uh, you know, they're not being taken advantage of. Uh, they they do amazing things and they help each other and, and that's where we have to reach them we have to reach them where they learn and they turn around and help each other and i i am you know you give me anybody who wants to put together a school peer counseling program and, and i'm on and i see the i see the magic i see the absolute magic and the absolute real real life because they deal with real issues and they get support in how to deal with them and i think that makes a
0: huge difference. Wow, you know, when you were talking, I could hear so much organized knowledge from what you said, and you, yeah, I'ma say it, you are forced me to open up the panel. The panel was open. What are the takeaways from what Sandy Roberts just said? I know there's so many, he wants to go first. What are the takeaways?
3: Well, I guess one of the the takeaways from my co-panelist Sandy, uh, when she was talking about just once you uh, have that genuine connection with uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers, the bulk of adolescents, then, um, then right, once you connect with them, once you really help them understand who they are, then you can teach them anything, right? So also um, just. Uh, there's, I mean, it's, it's a number of things. I'm like, what else? Uh, something else you said about um, it doesn't matter the socioeconomic status, and that's very, very true. That's a conversation I have often and make people realize that every child, you know, like Rita Pearson says, every child deserves, you know, a, a champion, but also every child, you know, deserves someone that's going to help build some context and give them uh, the model, the blueprint, and lesson practice for what appropriate adult interaction looks like. And that—that that is irrespective of you know your background, so ethnic background, income background—it does that does not matter. So that I was definitely co-signing and agreeing on that.
0: That was good, <laughs> Anika. That was really good. That was a good response. Wow. Well, let me ask this. Oh, buddy, did you? I'm sorry, buddy. Did you have something?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to add just something very very shortly and that is that probably the number one way to get deep into their head and their psyche is to explain to them that what happens in the media what happens external to their immediate environment is not a reflection of who they are or where they have to end up being they need to be aware that they have alternate choices and better choices. And the best way to get that is both from people who look just like them so that when they look in the mirror, they know that voice looks just like them, but they also need to hear it from diverse voices who are saying exactly the same message. If you wanna get a connection and you wanna make a message powerful, get young influencers and elderly influencers Get white, blacks, Mexicans, Pacific Rim people, get everyone echoing the same message. Don't worry about what's out there. Look inside yourself and know what's in there. That's what's important, because if they hear that from everybody, they'll realize that it's true. If they don't hear it from everybody, they'll always have doubts.
0: That was so powerful. That was so Powerful. And, and let me just say this This, this podcast is being listened to we, we got the reports back About two weeks ago The podcast is being listened to In about 2,500 cities At least 2,500 cities is what they said and about 90 different countries uh, People are listening to this podcast In New Zealand They're listening to the podcast In Indonesia They're listening to this podcast In the Philippines Listening to the podcast even in China, even in even in Russia, Russians are listening to this podcast. I was like, okay, Ukraine, people in Ukraine are listening to this podcast. You got Eastern Hemisphere, you got Western Hemisphere. They're they're listening to this podcast, and so you know we have to be inclusive to all those different demographics and all those. And respect all those ethnicities because they all they all matter, and they've all went through. They've all been through the same factors that we're talking about today. Even even more, some of them have been even more hard pressed than we have. I, I know it's to be true. Factors like instability at home, especially if you're in a war-torn environment. You got abuse. You got childhood abuse. You got domestic abuse You got animal cruelty You got that kind of abuse You got people that's starving People that don't know Where their next meal is coming from That's listening to this podcast You got people listening to this podcast That's hungry You got people listening to this podcast That's dealing with poor nutrition And you definitely Most definitely Don't forget this you got people listening to this podcast that's being bullied right now, buddy. I'm so glad you're on the podcast with us tonight with this discussion because when I think of you, when I think of Buddy, Thornton Possible Change Agent Pro, one of the words that come to mind is resolute determination. Your determination is resolute. You're you're you've been a while. You've been around around here for a while. I don't think you're 16 years old. <laughs> you have been here for a little while, and for you to have the schedule that you have, I mean, one minute you're in Las Vegas, next minute you're in San Diego, next next minute you're in getting ready to go to New Jersey, uh, Jersey City, next minute you're. In, I mean You're all over the place You're commuting All day long And you're spreading Positive social change As you meet with all the thousands of people you meet a year This is a legacy So that's why I use that word What was the word I used? Resolute determination That's why I use that word and that's what, that's what I want to pull for when I answer this question. Based off of what we've said so far, as a leader in the community, what are the benefits of teaching students or children how to identify the different emotions that people exhibit? Especially when they they have those different mood swings, you know. When I was growing up, I I used to see people have mood swings. I I didn't know I didn't know what to do with it. it, it I was a victim. I was like, it was, I was it was like victimology because you had a mood swing. I didn't know you were going to have a mood swing, but you were showing me the side effects that it was coming, like a volcano beginning to erupt. But I didn't know the signs, and because I didn't know the signs. Then I suffered For not knowing We want to pour from your wisdom tonight What are the benefits Of teaching Our students To identify Those bull swings Because we're talking about bullying tonight Because if If we can get our kids to identify Pre-bullying Before it happens and manifests I think that will be able to help them navigate around it just a little bit more. What's your thoughts? Please talk about it.
1: The first thing that you have to really focus on is the unpredictability of the adolescents who are just now exploring who they are and where they fit in the universe and everything they do and everything they see is raw They don't have the advantage of experience and maturity like adults do. And so they depend on clues and cues that we have to provide them. We have to show them that we can recognize those mood swings rapidly and we can either enhance someone's positive mood swing or suppress their negative mood swing. Simply by interacting with them appropriately, we have to role model that. That's that's a, a need. The benefit is in the aftermath. If you explain to a student, you saw how angry little Billy was over there, but I was able to shift him sideways and get him back on track, not by chastising him, not by berating him, but by interacting with him in a positive manner so that I could bring him back in line that he could see that his behavior was inappropriate simply by seeing that mine was appropriate. Kids will always hide their emotions as long as they can because they don't even understand them themselves. They may not even know why something triggered them. It may be a, an easy to identify microaggression for an adult, but the child is like, I didn't even see that coming. And yet another child will hear something, and then they'll be walking down the, the hallway between classes, and all of a sudden they'll just walk over and just pop another kid because, well, two hours ago in history class, you said something that insulted my sister, insulted my family, and I didn't like that. Could you see that coming? Well, yes and no. But you have to tell kids that there's an unpredictability factor, but the benefit in knowing that the potential is there, understanding the potential is there, and then always being aware that if someone's behavior changes, or if they start hyper-focusing on you or somebody, maybe you're maybe you're a third-party bystander, and you see them hyper-focusing on someone else, you know that there is some change in mood because there's a change in behavior. So you teach kids to look for the drop in noise, the increase in noise. It can go any direction. But the change is what's relevant. The benefit is... If you explain to kids that when something changes, it's something that is noteworthy, then you increase their awareness. And as a group, they all start to evolve. They also start to understand that they can manipulate you or exploit you through that same process by appearing to be normal until they decide to explode. So that's a track record thing. We could talk about that for hours. I'm not going to go there. But the benefit of teaching them that mood swings are critical, identifiable factors simply by a subtle change in behavior all the way to a wild swing in in behavior is the first step in getting them to mature into aware adulthood. It's a step, but it's a crucial step. Kids who don't get the advantage of learning that a change in behavior is always something that's noteworthy will always be behind the curve of those who do learn it because the ones who do learn it can now manipulate the ones who don't know
0: it. Let me me challenge the panelists because, buddy, what you said was revolutionary. I want to challenge the panelists with this. How, this is the question, the panel was open, how has what Buddy said I don't even know if I'm saying it gr- Grammatically correct, Anika <laughs> But How has what Buddy said How, how will this help Save lives L- Let me tell you something I've, I've witnessed so many of So many Oh God, excuse me, I'm sorry <clears throat> I've, witnessed, I've witnessed so many of my scholars That Not mine personally I haven't witnessed that, thank God But scholars that That I knew at different school sites that I was contracted at that took their lives or lost their lives. And you never want to feel that. It just never, some some educators say, oh, you, you know, you get numb to it. I, I never do. I, I never get numb to a child losing their life too soon. I, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't get numb from that. And but how the panel is open? How how can what Buddy just said, Buddy Thornton, puzzles change agent just express? How can that save a life, Sandy Roberts? You, I mean, you're there, you, you know all about it. Anika, you're there, you know it. How can what Buddy just said? It was so powerful. What he just said. How can they save a young person's life? Who wants to take that?
2: A lot of it has to be the adults around them who, who also have to learn this and pass it on and share it. And uh, I, I see too many situations of um, teachers in front of the classroom, you know, giving, giving the lecture, telling them what they're supposed to learn uh, testing them on it and none of that is really going to just help them know what it means and why it means something and there, there's an underlying factor in it, um, it it's not <laughs> as my other scholars know it is not easy to grade someone in that I mean if you just have it be you know like, like two false, what have you you're, you're not you're grading less fairly than going through it and helping to see where it is and helping them get to the right answers and directions and everything else. Uh, we, we, in that sense we take away some of their accomplishments because we're you know we're forced into making you know grades and that, you know their ABC,D and that. And if if we don't have a grade in that sense, and that always kind of like rattles me. That. I'm I'm not in favor of the depth of what they'll go or how somebody's grade point average changed because of you know they got a, a C instead of an A because they were ten points off from whatever the the managing scale was. Uh, th- there's just so many things that we're not addressing, that we're not helping them with, that we're not. Um, looking at at the, their internal piece and trying and efforts and everything, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's definitely you know students who just kind of make fun of school and they they really they go because they expect to and you know and schools don't always have the benefit of being able to provide some of the things for for the students. Um, a lot of them are trying a lot harder now. I mean, a, a lot more schools are you know, with breakfast and lunch and, you know, help and all kinds of stuff. But it's, I mean, our world now is, is just so different and yeah, you know, the the youth are kind of falling to the side. We've, we've got to get, we, we've got to get people who can connect with the kids, help the parents know how to connect with the kids. and And even parenting, I mean, we're, there, there's mom's house, dad's house, stepmom's house, former stepmom's house, dad's house. You know, you know where are the parents? They have a job. They're in prison. Um, you know, just there's so many changes in our society that we have to help the the youth be able to have an opportunity to even have a good life. Look, that is challenging,
0: look, Sandy. I'm, I'm, let me stop you right there because. Now I'm about to ask you a question because you said something and you went there, and so I'm gonna go there too. My question is: Are are these new governmental policies, these new governmental uh, bills that's being passed, are they helping? Are they supporting? Are these programs? You know, I, I our don't. Students? Yes, yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Tell me, tell me, give me a specific question. that. because my my brain isn't retaining
0: what, what they're all about at the moment. Annette, yeah. give, give me a specific question. Well, well, I mean, I just I just want to open the panel or example. Not, yeah. not just to you, but to to everybody on the panel. What yeah. what, what the these different house bills that are being passed now all right all because right, i'm talking about i'm talking about all kids i'm talking about all scholars i'm talking about all children all students mm-hmm. and when i say all no child left behind yeah every student succeeds that's what i mean when i say all so are all mm-hmm. children benefiting from these new bills that are being proposed that are being signed and, and waiting to be voted on um, my set my, my thoughts are to ask this question to the panel are are these bills these new bills is coming through are, are, are they are they being built with children in low SES communities in mind who wants to take that?
3: I, I uh, would yeah. like to, uh, oh, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, Anita. Okay, thank you. So I wanted to kind of take this question and kind of connect it to the last question you posed because both uh, Buddy and Sandy said some really good things that regardless of whether they're a young person or a not so young person, right? You made it to adulthood that you still have to you know those particular warning signs and you know um, <clears throat> just really what to look out for. So I really want to say some though, that if I had to really reflect a bit more on Gen Z and alpha generation, our two youngest groups coming through, that they are more aware of triggers and aware of the need for emotional intelligence. I want to say the most previous generation. So, although, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are in shambles, I feel like personally it's because of the, a lot of the older generation, uh, you know, that was not their anchor. They didn't have that as a priority. And so, it's, this is kind of like the trickle down. And so, now we're kind of trying to um, work backwards, if you will, right? Making sure that, okay, whoever can show up for the youth, that they're showing up. So, again, going back to what Sandy said, yeah, making sure that the that the parents or whatever adults in their lives, that they are very proficient in that skill. Sometimes I say to see, study, and support. So going back to what Buddy said, if you know what someone's tendency is, you see them, you understand them, there's an awareness for that when they are moving differently, something's not right. Uh, Even at the threshold, you know, I was um, a classroom educator, so greeting the kids at the door as soon as they cross, as soon as I looked them in their face, nope. this is not your usual because I've seen and studied you enough. So now I know I need to support you a bit differently today, this day. Something else is going on. So in a lot of these spaces, whether it's, uh, you know, at the house, a corporate space, or just general organizations, that that whole process, that cycle, really, really needs to be emphasized more and dug in more, not even from a, a worst-case scenario, um, just, You know, all the news stories uh, situation, but just from the culture, culture wise. So, the culture part, that's what makes me think about the second question, uh, Isaiah, where you talked about the bills, the different legislation. So, to me, I believe that the different, um, you know, proposed legislation. That is not adequately addressing the issue because we know that there's a lot of truly dedicated educators out there. There's a lot of that are in different sectors, public, charter, private, all these different spaces. That the issue isn't just okay. We're going to send people elsewhere. Like let's let's do more to fix the issue to address the issue. Like there's there's task force, uh, task forces. Excuse me, that different states have set up to try to build in more support on the front end for newer educators, you know, years of uh, zero experience up to three, and getting more specific about the, uh, the mentoring, again, the support, the organization, right, the culture that has taken over, truly taken over um, the state of education. I don't feel like a lot of the things that are on paper and the plans, uh, we're not giving them time to work. That's one of the biggest faults that maybe, maybe a lot of people may Uh, co-sign and agree with me on is that in education, a lot of times we don't give enough time to see if something works before, before we try to switch gears. and say, okay. Well, let's try this. Because in my mind, if there was a certain plan to address the support differently to address, um, you know, the culture and coaching differently, then it's been less than a year, but suddenly there's um, these different uh, legislative, um, Approaches that I'm I'm really not understanding. I'm really not clear on what they're supposed to achieve fully. If it's a societal issue, not just a, a private versus charter in public. I'm not really clear on how that would address it.
0: Wow! Wow!
1: Wow! I have I have something to add to that. Uh, Anika, you are exactly right. Number one, when you're talking about the current state of education and you're talking about one group of people who insist that we need to teach all the core subjects and we need to vary the DEI and we need to vary social, emotional learning, what they are missing the point on is that they're not addressing both sides of the child. I don't want people who are going to be 17, 18 years old who know how to do math and know how to read and know how to do simple things that are core topics, but they are completely out of control and they are really close to that line of being antisocial or suffering from antisocial personality disorder because no one ever addressed their social-emotional needs. No one ever taught them how they belong in society. They just told them you have to do this to be a member of society, which is not giving them any options or any choices. I presented a platform that demonstrated that you could make an entire generation change, but you had to target 16 years, minimum of 16 years to make it happen, which addresses what you said about they don't give change time enough to work. If you started in preschool with the four-year-olds and five-year-olds, went through kindergarten, went through all 12 grades, but you started with the youngest ones on, let's say, year 2025, and you change the program, as they age into each class, you leave the ones who are above that Mendoza line, continue with what they've been doing, but you alter the path, starting with the youngest ones, By the time they reach high school, you would have an entire generation who is taught the exact same way. They could have core competency, and they could have social-emotional awareness and strength. They could become better citizens. It would reduce the, the prison population. It would reduce recidivism. It would reduce bullying. But you have to give it a minimum of sixteen years, if not a little bit longer, for the process to take hold. And how are you gonna get the political uh climate to match that need in the education system when every four years, every eight years, and sometimes every two years when you're talking about congressmen, the the tables change. Different people get in. They all have their own voice. They all want to think what they is doing is right and no one's given the professionals who know about human behavior and education the ability to do what they need to do, give them two decades. Say, look, we're going to give you until this date. Prove that you know what you're doing. And leave, we'll leave you alone. This country has never done that. I'm almost 70 years old, Sandy's 80. We've never seen that in our lifetimes. People have to let a process work, minimum. 16 years and you could see a change in society like this country has never seen before
0: Stressful anxiety Sandy Roberts let me go to you real quick because we are we really out of time let me ask you so will you guys come back back and do this again because we are out of time we are really out of time (laughs)
2: <laughs> At any any time, I'm happy to do it again.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We're we're gonna wrap this thing up. We're gonna wrap this thing up because <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting it to get this good. But let me let me say this. Let me say this real quick. How and let's just open up the panel really quick. How why what's going on? What's going on with our education system? How how are we? It, who who who's telling the children? Is it is it? Is it the teachers? Is it the classrooms? Is it the resources? Why are we failing in education? Who wants to take that? Let me uh, let me let me
1: let me uh, throw one thing out there: a statistic that's very important. You talked about it in a school board meeting. They're talking about the uh, the ESA program where they're going to divert funds to. Give it to the parents so they can pick where their kids will go to school instead of letting them stay in the public schools and here in arizona in the first year that they had that program there was no ceiling it didn't matter how much the parents made if they selected that they wanted to control the esa and they wanted to move their children to any school they wanted to move 71 percent of the people who jumped into the program were people who made over 150k as a family and whose children were already in private schools or in charter schools, they simply took the money and used it instead of their own money, and it only moved 29% of people who were not already in that environment. The problem was that the people who could not, they might want the ESA, they might want to put their child into a better school, they might want to move their child into an affluent-level school or a school that has a high success rating, But they didn't have the demographic capability of doing it they either didn't have a car they had no way to be missing work long enough to take their child halfway across town to a better school there were social barriers to success and where we fail the kids is we do not overcome the social barriers and when a child starts down the road where they fail one test here and one test there if the teachers don't understand how to scaffold them back into at least a moderate level of success, you see school systems like we have here in Arizona, where thirty-eight percent of the kids drop out by the time they're in eleventh grade, wow. while other schools across town have a one percent dropout rate. So, so who's fault it? that? That's what Who? we call serious—that it's the it's the politicians and it's the parents who are pushing the politicians to allow them to have an equal but separate system. In 1954, we eliminated separate but equal, but we turned around now and we're encouraging equal but separate. I'm going to give everybody the ability to have all this extra money, put your kid in whatever school you want to put them in, but only the people who have the social wherewithal, the uh, demographic wherewithal to take their kids around really get any benefit out of that program so they're creating an invisible ceiling that doesn't allow at-risk populations to take part in the benefit and so they're blind to that either that or they're not blind to it and they're doing it deliberately so they can create equal but separate they just flip the script i lived in the 60s i lived in the 70s sandy lived in the 50s we saw this in real time we are flipping the script and we are turning this country back into a nightmare scenario because the parents don't don't see that a child who doesn't look like their children deserves the same opportunities and they have to be doable opportunities not just on paper they have to be physical, tangible opportunities that can be achievable in real time. And it's not happening. We've got three years of uh, analytics in Arizona, and the proof is very evident. And yet, they're trying to still expand the ESA program here. Thankfully, the Demo- uh, Democratic governor, I don't like to get into politics, but she's vetoing it. She's not allowing it to happen. Thank but you, the ESA program is a drive toward equal but separate. So They've just flipped the script
0: from separate but equal. And now I'm, I'm going to go I, historical. I, I'm going to get historical because you're talking about Plessy versus Ferguson to going to Brown versus the Board of Education. And what you're saying is you're saying that it's being flipped. It's This is the new age version of those. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead, Nika. Go ahead, please. What, what you got? Nope.
3: No, I was just agreeing with Buddy and uh, getting back to the question posed, like who was, you know, who's to blame when you first posed the question. I said it's multiple points of failure. And I think that Buddy hit hit them all, right? Whether it's the school system for so the legislation itself, um, you know, maybe some particular um, personality types and styles within the school houses themselves. Uh, you know, there's some Responsibility on the parent, so it's multiple points of failure. Definitely thinking about uh, what Buddy said about the the social aspects not being uh, equitable. So there's no way that this uh, that a lot of the legislation can truly be fair. That uh, there's there are some other components and criteria. I want to say that is never discussed up front when people have these conversations about the choices and choice schools that um, in private and charter. Sectors that they that there's not the same um, governing, not just bylaws, but but yes, uh, bylaws and boards. So that if there's a certain uh, academic threshold that a child is not meeting, then they might choose to put you on academic probation, and then eventually let you go. You get put out of the school. Same thing on the behavior side. Um, for, for both of those uh, other sectors in those situations. Like there's only so much uh, support that a lot of times they're willing to do, slash can do, just because of, you know, not just the resources, but just experience. Because think about in being K-12 public space. Literally, no child left behind. Whoever comes to the door, comes through the door. The adults are sending us their best. Whoever, you know, that's their best. That's what they're sending us. So we're making sure that we meet them there. In in K-12 space, people are used to that, especially after teaching for a while, educating for a while. But, you know, if it's in certain areas where, uh, you know, maybe we have a private tutor, we have a nanny that helps, this, that, and the third, it's not the same level of intensity. Like Buddy referenced scaffolding earlier, uh, the educator knowing how to scaffold to take the child from one spot, uh, one spot to the next level, right, of mastering. Then it may not be the same um, literal proficiency that the educators may have to do that. So that is, is it's a very deep conversation for me, uh, especially when it comes to school ratings and school rankings um, and looking at all the demographics. It's definitely not um, equal in all
0: aspects. I feel like we we need to do another topic. I feel like we need to do another topic And I'm sick of this I'm sick of this I'm sick of it I'm, I'm sick of it like Like like, like a crackhead Sick of, of drugs Because now The real topic we need to talk about Is bullying Substance abuse With this fentanyl epidemic And segregation Because Though we thought we move past segregation and it's morphosized into different Rams and it sickens me listen uh this, we're, let's we're out of time what are the takeaways for tonight who who wants to go first who would like to go first
1: well I want to apologize to my panel mates I I'm very passionate about this topic. Uh, Hopefully that came through, obviously. And uh, I want to apologize if I took away any of their time or any of their voice, because everyone's voice needs to stand up and be heard in these messages about bullying and about hurting society and hurting us all in the wrong direction. You know, we're the placeholders for the children who are coming after us. This is their world. It's not our world. And we need to do a better job. And to do that, we need to call things with harsh reality. We need to face the tough conversations. We need to make the tough choices. And it's very simple, simple to change a child's life. Isaiah, you saw it when I came to your class for just one half day. And I talked to a child for five minutes and it impacted their life for years. This is what it takes. Parents and adults and teachers and administrators, people who care enough to stand up and say, I ain't taking it anymore. Enough is enough. This is the wrong way to do it. We need to pivot. We need to move forward. And again, I, I want to apologize to my panel mates if I did anything that uh, took away from your time.
2: This is standing. You did not take away anything you added so much to the conversation and I'm deeply appreciative it gives me hope it gives hope that people will hear the importance of what is being said tonight from everyone and I look forward to our next gathering when we can continue to share this type of passion and information thank you panelists I'm honored to be with you
3: And this is Anika S. Jones, and I would say that definitely, uh, I feel like each perspective was important. So I definitely appreciate the perspective that my co-panelists brought. Is um, this really um, one takeaway slash just a, a moment to pause? Just being clear that some very specific strategies were given for what um, you know many of us that work in the space have done to. Support the young people to give them strategies and tools. So, you know, I want to be careful that we're not getting into a conversation of hopelessness and, you know, oh my goodness, it's out of control. There's nothing we can do. There are some very specific, very strategic things that we can do. So, we hope that you'll continue to join us for these conversations.
0: Wow. This has been another Impact Tonight, the Impact Justice is- Leadster. Wow. Incredible Leadership Podcast Facebook